Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Real Talk with Realtron. I'm super excited today. My guest is Sahil Jaggi from our Shepherd office. Uh, Sahil has done amazing things in his first uh, seven years in real estate, from uh, Remax Platinum Club to being recognized as one of the top 30 under 30 Remax Realtors to joining the Remax Hall of Fame. Uh, Sahil's done it all, and that's not bad for a part-time job, right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I say that because Sahil, it, while doing this, has built an amazing investment business, investing in real estate. He's also built homes, and he's even created a REIT. So a lot we can learn from Sahil. Uh, so much. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Super exciting. Same here. Let's get started. So yeah. I just want to go back. You were working in investment banking. Yeah and uh, you somehow got the real estate bug. What happened? So I graduated from Laurier in 2008 and right out of, right out of university, I, you know, I got my finance degree. So the first thing was obviously get a job in finance. So I went to New York and I uh, started in investment banking on Wall Street. So, you know, it was a dream job, but a year in later, I, I realized this is, I hate what I do. So I, yeah. this is something that I wanted to get out right away. Uh, the money was good and before the crash happened in the US, like, you know, finance was a thing to do, but it just didn't resonate with me. I missed Toronto too much. I wanted to come back to the city. So I came back and the only two things that I decided that I was going to do is that, you know, I'll, I never want to sit behind a desk again okay. and I want to do something in sales. That's all I really knew. Right. And that's when I got a full-time job with uh, Nestle Canada as a corporate salesperson. And when you're in sales, uh, you know, we, you don't have an office. You have to go, you know, job to job, like different sites. So I was covering uh, the North York Territory. And uh, my whole job was like, you know, five to six meetings a day, which mm -hmm. take about two to three hours a day. And then that's, that was my job. So uh, right after, the, the, how I got into real estate was basically just to buy real estate for myself. Right? So I had a bit of money saved up and I'm like, you know, I should stop renting. It doesn't make sense. I should buy something for myself. And that's when I like started researching about properties around Young and Shepherd, Young and Finch area. Right. And uh, the first property I bought was uh, right at Young and Finch Churchill Avenue. And, uh, you know, at, at that time, the property value was around 500,000 detached home and about three to 400,000 condo. So yeah. it made more sense to get into detached. Yeah. And so, but you were buying it for something to live in? Or you yes. knew it was investment, you need to put your yes. money somewhere, but just Exactly, and I was working with like a, you know, like a random agent that I found on the internet and, yeah. you know, I was doing most of the work. So my, so when I bought the house, I moved into the basement and I rented out upstairs and that was my first purchase and that's how I got into real estate. First tip number one. Yeah. If you're starting out as a real estate agent, I'm not supposed to look at the camera, but this is a good one. Live in the basement, yeah. let someone else pay your mortgage, and, and free yourself up, right? So you have the ability to, to invest, to do stuff, to make some money. Exactly. Okay, so you got into that property, you liked it, you got the bug, and you said, okay, I gotta do another one because I'm making some money? Exactly, so I bought that property in 2010. That was mm -hmm. my first purchase. I lived in the basement. The mortgage was being covered by the rent upstairs, and uh, within like 2011, 2012, you know, this is what the peak of the market when the market was really exploding, and right. especially the detached market uh, just took off, and by the time it was 2012, that property was worth about 750, 780. So I decided to refinance and buy my second property, which was on Connaught, right. also in the same neighborhood. Right, so you understood the the investment you invested in yourself you exactly. took a chance on yourself to to yeah. re-up take some money out and, and invest in the second property so how long was it between 2010 and when did you get a real estate license 2014 and how oh, I transitioned so much longer much yeah, later, than so I thought, much later. Sorry. so 2010 to 2014 I was just buying I was being right. an investor and 
what happened was that I was using different real estate agents and I realized like, you know, the service and the quality of real estate agents that I was working with was really bad and I ended up doing most of the work myself. Also, by the time 2014 hit, I already had four properties at that time. Right. And a lot of the people started coming up to me and saying, can you help us do the same thing? Your portfolio is doing really, so it was more like a natural transition mm -hmm. from one sales job to the other. And I, for me, it was like, you know, not only will it help me give more resources and tools, but all of a sudden, all these people, my friends and some distant family started asking me that, can you also help us do the exact same thing? Right. So I got my license in 2014 with Remax. And with you guys, and then uh, since then I've been I've been doing You've this. Been so it's been five years. Yeah. So that's amazing. So when you got into the sales business, did you yeah. know you were going to get out of that Nestle job, or you had already left, or you did you know this was going to be your full time thing? So you know the the three or four properties that I bought at the time started doing really well. So I think I had uh, I gave it like maybe a two or three month transition, mm -hmm. but as soon as I got my license, you know I started picking up clients. I did the deal in the second week of me being a real estate agent. Right. So for me, I, I started seeing like, you know what, if I put more energy as being a real estate agent through the credibility that I've gained from right. buying so many properties and doing well in my own portfolio, I think I can transition fully. Right. So, you know, I, I quit the free car and I quit the nine to five and I just took the took the pledge and I just jumped in. You just jumped right in. And I think uh, like the, the big lesson out of here is you did your research, you yeah. learned. And once you know what you're doing, it's it's a step easier. I think too many people wait yeah. till they have their real estate license to yeah. then start now I want to start learning about real yeah. estate, but you got to learn about real estate. The courses are the courses, but you got to you have the background of knowledge. So you got into the business, you sort of started working with people you knew, telling them what you did, did some investor deals. I want to shift because I want to give value in terms of sure. real estate. I want to sort of just talk about how do you then turn that into a real estate business? Where, where you're, and, and by the way, a lot of real estate agents never feel like they have a real estate business. <laughs> it's yeah. tough, right? You're yeah. constantly like, okay, I'm doing something and yeah. how do I repeat it? How do I grow it? Right. So now how do you grow to now not only do the deals that you're doing and doing your best friends, where, how do you start managing those people as client relationships? Maybe you're naturally mm -hmm. great at it. We have some people like, uh, we had Rob Kroll on last time who's a natural Mm -hmm. connector relationship builder. How do you start building relationships, getting referrals and developing more business from right. there? So, uh, you know, it's, the one thing that you pointed out which is really good is that I already had the real estate knowledge of buying before I got into becoming a real estate agent. So, for me to like go out there and I didn't have to like pretend to be an expert. I was I felt like in the niche that I was working, I was already an expert, right? I, was, I had really good success stories to share and I have used the exact same precedence from then to even 2019. And in 2019, like, you know, I'm almost chairman. And for me, it was like 80% of my deals come from buyer investors. So I've right. kept that system going from the time that I started to now, which is uh, when I'm pitching to people, when I'm having people to purchase properties, they ask me like, you know what, this all sounds great, but if it's so good, why don't you buy it? And for yeah. me, I already have. So it's right. like I put my money where my mouth is. So yeah. usually what the, my, my whole system works as I, narrow down areas, I look at really good investments, I buy a property, and then I take that exact example of the property that I've purchased amongst all the buyers, and I sort of share it with people. And uh, it gives them the confidence that this guy's already done something like this. He's, you know, he's bought it, he's rented it, he's shown the numbers, and he's done it successfully over the past four years, and that becomes part of the pitch. Right. And it becomes a very easy thing for me to sell. And that's the thing that I would suggest for any real estate agent getting into the business is that you have to be a believer in the product that you're trying to sell, right. especially on the buy side. 
So when you believe in the product and you, you make that little niche for yourself, you can really turn it into a very solid, successful pitch and you can go out there and get more business. Yeah, that's great. And I believe uh, selling yourself as a real estate agent is really about your story. Exactly. And everyone yeah. has a story. Yeah. Your story maybe becomes more obvious yeah. than most people, so it's easy to tell. But everyone has a story of how they ended up in it, where they ended up, how yeah. they ended up having their yeah, their yeah. sort of their sort of situation. One thing you've been able to do really, really well is get your story out publicly. Right. So you've been featured in uh, REM magazine. You've been featured in in lots of publications. Yeah. You've been out there. You've made a concerted effort to get your story out there. Yeah. And have it seen. What's one starting out? If I'm an agent and I, I want to kind of get something in there, who do you contact? How do you reach out? What do you do? What do you so do in my case, up? like it started with them reaching out to me. I think when I was 28, I had about a six million dollar portfolio in Toronto. So when I went to one of these networking events, and I truly, I still to date, will try and attend two to three networking events a month. I think real estate is something that you do not learn in school. You do not learn in like those courses that they teach you in Oria. You will learn going out and hitting the streets, right? And uh, you know, I come. I came here when I was 16 years old with no family or any background whatsoever. So when I say that I had help from friends and family, it was very short-lived. And I think nobody can depend on their friends and family to really build a business. So from 2014, I was, you know, I went door knocking. I was, I tried to get into cold calling, and the results were fantastic. But not just that. When a publication from uh, Canadian Real Estate Wealth reached out to me and they said, like, look, you're 28, you're doing a really good portfolio. Can we do an investor profile on you? Mm -hmm. I said, absolutely, I'll share my sure. numbers with you. And all and of a sudden- through a networking group? Yes, that came from, so I started talking to like- What kind of networking like, groups do you go to? Like, so like I, I attend REIN, I attend REIT. Uh, I also go to like, you know, it just doesn't have to be focused on real estate. It can mm -hmm. be anything. So you know, for example, if a small company is doing a launch, I'll show up there, I'll talk to people, through friends, if somebody's opening a store somewhere, I'll go there, I'll start talking to people. And I ran into this editor who said that, you know, I, I've done this uh, investor profiles on a lot of people, do you mind if I do it with you too? I said, of course. And then I realized so many leads started coming out because that went viral right. technically right yeah so um, when, when I realized that this stuff is going viral I started reaching out to a lot of editors and saying look I have a great and I did it from an investor portfolio not in a realtor way I right. did it as an investor way because they're much more open because when you approach these people and you say that I'm a real estate agent they think okay we'll connect you to the advertising department right, yeah. so for me it was like I was an investor I'm 32 years old or 31 years old at mm -hmm. the time and I have a great growing portfolio, would you like to do a feature on me? Yeah. And these people just took it right away because yeah. it was a great story, yeah. right? So uh, that I started leveraging that a lot more. I started putting that as my marketing. And the best part about it is that none of that was paid marketing at all. So yeah. once the word spreads that you're doing really well as an investor, and again, a believer of your product that you're selling out there, people will start reaching out to you and use that as your marketing material. And the beauty of that is it's unpaid right. and it's more credible. And it's like an endorsement. Exactly. Yeah, right. exactly. I love that. You know, what I love about that is your story starts out as a individual investor right. kind of business about growing yourself yes. and learning and, and the knowledge, yes. but it's actually a people story. And real estate's a people business. Yes. We, you know, that I didn't know you, you went to so many networking yeah. events. You're so out there, you put yourself out there. Yeah. It's the most simple thing, it's the easiest thing. Yes. Not, sorry, it's not easy for a lot of yeah. people. But if you do it, the results are there. So I wanna spend like a, a sure. couple minutes if we want, talking about what you do at networking events. How can you turn those into connections? You said you go to a lot of them that aren't even real estate specific. So what, what type of contacts are you looking for and how do you, um, I think for a lot of people, uh, following up on contacts, building relationships is really tough. 
Yeah. So you meet someone at a networking event, there's someone you want to keep in touch with, whether they're business adjacent or, or not, or, or mm -hmm. through something else, or might be an investor. How, what's the next step? You get their business card? Yeah, so I'll give you an example. Like I attend uh, once a year alumni for Laurier, for example. Okay. So I go there and I meet a lot of like my old profs, or a lot of old colleagues, people I haven't seen in a long time. I think those are amazing places to even like go and meet people. And automatically it's like, what are you doing and what are you doing, right? So for me, uh, you know, I say very specific things that I think gets me that initial attraction. Like, look, mm -hmm. I, I was in investment banking and now I'm doing real estate. And obviously the first thing is that I'm investing in it all real estate and they're like well that's really interesting tell me more about that and yeah. real estate they is a topic you got fired from your investment yeah exactly no they didn't think I got <laughs> fired but uh, they, they kind of get it real estate is a very interesting topic and the it's not that difficult to go into a party or even a, any event whatsoever. Everybody loves talking about real estate. I agree. Right? Yeah. So when you tell a person that you're an investor in real estate or you're you know, in real estate or any of that sort, the, the conversation becomes very easy to have. Right. And then it's about bringing the knowledge to the table. Like mm -hmm. when I go to these alumni events, it's not just about showing up. Like I wake up, I read newspapers every day, I read articles every day, so I'm on top of like the pulse of what I'm really good at. Right. And also it's very important for a real estate agent or anybody, a real estate investor, to know that you have to pick your very narrow down niche. So if I go out there and say, yes, I'm selling property in Waterloo, I'm selling property in Barrie, I'm selling property in Toronto, I'm doing everything, I think they start drifting away. Right. So I'm very specific about telling these people what I do. Yeah. So the, I'll say the residential, commercial, industrial investor. Yeah, like those guys who exactly. write I specialize in everything. Exactly, and I have, and if you even if look at my history, Jeremy, I have referred a lot of deals to different agents if I know that I'm not an expert at it, mm -hmm. because I know that it takes a full circle back, and the person will come back to you when it's time to buy something that is yeah. within that niche. Great. So it's very important for any newcomer to, and I know it's difficult initially to break through that, where you stop telling people that I'm an expert at everything. Right. I'm very specific about it, and I'm always kept that since 2014 I've joined which is that I understand the detached bungalow market yeah. in two or three very specific areas of Toronto that are poised towards a lot of growth and that's where I start mm -hmm. my conversation so when people start seeing that he's being very specific about what he's an expert at they feel an inclining to learn about that little niche right and you give people a reason to right so I, I let them enter my world yeah. I was like what I'm an expert at right not just go out there and say what are you looking for so I'm gonna help you buy it's more about what I do what I'm really yeah. good at and then let them ask you the questions about that little thing and I'm right. very confident about selling that little niche of uh, and you know yeah 70 to 80% of my deals are coming through that little In pocket those. that I feel like I'm an expert at right and you moved your expertise or you took your expertise in investment analysis with one type of property with the yeah. bungalows yeah. and you moved it from North York down to, to Lakeshore Etobicoke yes. area. Why did you make that decision to do that? Yeah. I want to I get people's head around why sure. you did it and how you were able to make the transition. Sure. Uh, Toronto today is, you know, it's, it's, it's expensive. 2010 to 2016, you're on a plane, you throw a dart, everything's increased. Right. So I, as a real estate investor, it's very important for you to understand what's saturated and what's growing. So in 2010 to 2014, I was buying up a lot of property in North York. I was helping a lot of clients buy up a lot of property. But once it passed that 1 million, 1.1 or 1.2 million mark for a bungalow, to me, it entered that saturation point. Right. So for me, it was like, okay, so what's the next best thing that's going? So I actually moved to the east before I went to the west. So I went to okay. the EO6 area, which is Birchcliffe and Cliffside. Mm -hmm. So again, my expertise is bungalows between 600 and 900. So when that 900 surpasses, it's time to, for me to like start looking for the next best thing. 
So from North York to East Side, when East Side started surpassed that one $1.2 million mark, I went to the West Side. And now I'm starting to sell and buy a lot of property for myself in the West Side. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that $1 million mark, and we're already very close to it, mm -hmm. it's going to be the next. So you have to obviously adjust with how the market also plays out, right? And you have to, again, right. pick an area that you believe in, invest in it, and then use that as a success story mm -hmm. and rationale with the behind as to like why you invest where you invest. And then it really becomes uh, like a team of people that just follow what you do. Right. Like, where are you buying next? And I'm like, I buy, bought here. These are what the mm -hmm. numbers look like, and they want to buy the same thing. Yeah. So today I can safely say, like, I've got 10 to 15 or even 20 investors, high net worth investors, that are that have given so much uh, in return. It's like where to buy, what to do, and they've seen results. Mm -hmm. And they come and they continuously keep buying. And I'm in the business of now helping them create portfolios. And that right. also gives me some time to do what I do best, which is, you know, research, get better at what you do, mm -hmm. and expand that instead of like, you know, being best at everything. Yeah. So, so what I what I heard there is you're you're super focused on an area, but you have an eye out for what the next area Always. is. Always. And then once you're out of your comfort zone in terms of the price right. as an investment, yes. you're ready to move on. Exactly. And you take your investors with you, but you sort of replicate the same strategy. Fundamentals, North York, very similar. East, West. Fundamentals will always remain the same. Right. Bungalows, 20% down, rent always to cover the cash flows, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But areas differ. As they reach saturation points, you have to go to the next best thing. Right, because once it passes a certain level, the bungalow exactly. is never going to cover exactly. it. Exactly. So 20% down in cash flow is your is, is your my key? So bungalows, because they come with an upside. Right. And you know the way I talk about appreciation with a lot of people is that I, I sit there and they say, do you think this will appreciate? You have to give them reasons behind why they appreciate. To me, like you know, when you buy condos, semis, or towns, you're primarily selling them to either an end user or an investor. When you sell a bungalow, you're adding that buyer of a, uh, of a custom builder into the equation. Right. Right. And Love that, that constitutes a big portion of the market. So mm -hmm. when, why I buy these bungalows is that because I'm offering it to a bigger pool of buyers. At the same time, I'm looking for areas that have these, uh, you know, second world war homes where they have like bungalow, bungalow, big house, bungalow, bungalow, big right. house. Yeah. So I'm looking for areas that have a majority, like maybe a majority of the area still dominated by bungalows with the exact same logistical dis distance to downtown and fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And those areas in the last, you know, nine years, I've switched three areas now. Right. But once I find that area, I completely start driving myself and all my investor money into that area. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when the saturation point hits, then you have to prepare for the next area. Right. And you've been able to take advantage of that by actually building some houses Absolutely. yourself. Once yeah. you realize that there's a, such an upside to building yeah. and, and every area becomes saturated in terms exactly. of that too, where there's no upside for the builder. So I have actually become well, the builder. You're yeah. in early. That's right. You've made money on the property. Yeah. Now you have a buffer zone to be able to actually go yeah. out and build properties. How many properties have you built? Uh, so now I have 13 properties, including one uh, which I'm a partner on a big commercial property. My total portfolio is about 14 million wow. today. And the best part is the loan to value is less than 50%. So I still have a lot of equity power. That gives me the option to start building them as well. And with 50%, loan to value, you're really cash flowing nicely. On, exactly. On so so you start quite because the wheel starts turning, right? right? So you, what you bought in 2014 is what I'm building today. Yeah. What I'm buying in 2018, I'm likely to build in 2022. But when I buy something, I hold it till it reaches that saturation point is when I enter the market to build. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, in terms of your clients, I know you're, you're in touch with most of your clients because yes. you're working with them in terms of investments. What do you do in terms of just extra keeping in touch with them, building relationships uh, beyond just just uh, just the uh, having to keep in touch because of properties. 
where what's what do you think is really valuable? I know you're, you're a relationship guy. How do you do it? So I'm very good at building relationships, but I'll be very honest. In the first two to three years of my relation, uh, you know, as a real estate agent, I was horrible at keeping in touch, and I've tried everything. But problem is, I don't have that much of an attention span to sit down. <laughs> Whenever you sit with really good people who are amazing at sales or amazing at going down and aggressively getting more and more leads, I think the absolute game changer for me was getting an assistant. Okay, that's the absolute game changer. Period. The reason why is because you can't be doing so many things at the same time. You have to have somebody who's helping with the back end. Mm -hmm. So when an assistant came into the picture, you know, we actually sat down and we compiled a list of all the email addresses, data boards, and I waited for three to four years to do that. So as soon as the assistant came into the picture in 2019, my business was 30% higher in terms of revenue. And that goes because like there was a lot more, like I know how to do it, but sometimes agents don't have the time to do it. Right. And if you're spending that much time in the office, who's spending outside and getting the clients? Right. So I think that- So you you think just in the year your assistant came along and you just put together your database properly and started getting in touch with people at the right times, 30% increase in business. Yeah, and that's just because she's been with me for six months. Amazing, growing referrals. Absolutely, uh, following up, even saying happy birthday or saying, hey, you bought a house in 2014, this is the value of it today. So yeah. I'll use something like that, just so you know, FYI, yeah. those kinds of emails. And do you have like a, are you developing a, a rule for number of contacts, the way you're getting in touch with people, or you're, you're just kind of going through? So yeah, sure so I'll have different buckets, for example, I'll have like seller leads, I'll have buyer leads, but I think my main focus is to really, you know, make, build quality leads, and mm-hmm. that turns into like really quality relationships, because now I'm starting to go out there and tell people, it's not just about buying one house, I'm in the business of creating, helping you build portfolios. Right. Right, so if you buy one, it should set you up for the next property so that you can grow organically. Mm-hmm. So when you tell these things to people, they really resonate, and as you said, in Toronto's got a huge appetite for people to wanting to come and buy real estate, and good market, bad market, if your business model is good, and you can prove it with the way of you know, a success story with you and your previous clients, you can really right. start leveraging that and building a really good Yeah, you know, and for the record, people can say you're lucky and property yeah. went up and yeah. everything. You went from area to area on the right time, because if you look at what happened 2016, 2017, yeah. uh, you were already out of North York yeah. when that Yeah, and you know, it's also really important to know your own numbers as a real estate agent. So for example, one of the things that I was telling my pitch is that uh, my properties, I usually keep a data of all the properties that are purchased and I always keep updating the market values of those properties that people have bought through me. So it gives me the comparable to see like what's the market increase and what my property has done. Mm -hmm. So I can tell people like now from 2010 to 2018, my properties have beaten the market by 11%. Oh, wow. So that, that gives a very, so it's not just about, you know, if, if you're moving with the market, you're not special, right? Right. How you're beating the market is a true number. And I think that comes from my investment That's banking a nice, background. Uh, yeah, for sure. A lot That's of finance nice, background. How do you so, beat the market? Yeah, so I That's don't, great. so for me, it's like, how do you beat the market? And mm-hmm. in a slow market, how do you make sure that your property doesn't drop as much? Yeah. So those are the kind of things that I'll use, you know, you try to be creative, but absolutely really important to know what you're good at and keep getting better at that little model that you have. That's great. What do you do to keep your mindset ready? How so, do you stay on your game? Um, I'll be honest, like I'm a buyer's agent, right? Primarily. And buyer's agent need to be working on weekends and evenings. Mm-hmm. So I start my day very late. I start my day around noon sometimes, right? So you have to be at the peak level of performance until you finish, which is like sometimes for me nine o'clock or 10 o'clock right. because people are meeting me after they after finish work. work. Yeah. So uh, just know your strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and you know what, I absolutely love real estate. It is such a long spectrum of things in real estate. There's constant learning. Um, you know, you have to enjoy the journey as much as you just focus on the desk, you know, the, where you're headed with right. all this. 
but I love what I do and this is this is you know comes naturally to me and I'm very passionate about it I've got amazing people around me I've got like you know guys like you and Remax Realtron really like good names backing you up I think that's always really important and uh, at the same time like if you love what you do you should just you know decide to be the absolute best at it and just increase the you know it's not just about you know, uh, commitment to like doing really good. It's like absolute commitment to excellence because then you can transfer that same thing to your clients. Mm -hmm. And once you do that, every client that I meet, it's like, you know, I've got it in my, you really, uh, you know, my insight to really help him out at the best of my ability. Right. And they see that. And once you give them those results, you've got them for life and not to mention the referrals that come from it. Yeah. So now I don't need to go and door knock and do right. other things. I, I just get organically, I grow. Yeah, your so. passion comes out. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. What's the next step in your business? Where are you heading now? Uh, the investment thing is running. You're going to continue to yes. increase and grow on that. Um, I think you're, you're looking to, where, where do you see the opportunity for you in terms of growing your business? How do you get from this level to, to more real estate sales for you? So uh, I think I'm going to continue investing uh, because I still do feel like there are some really good areas which uh, are not saturated in Toronto that have a lot of growth potential. You know, we've got so many things going on for the city, not just the fact that we are great in healthcare sector, education and US is all screwed up and you know, many other things. I think uh, my investment business is always going to be my priority. And the reason why I say that is because it also, like what I invest, I never use for my income. So through investments, I leverage my business of being a real estate agent. Right. So the plan is to really grow as a real estate agent through leveraging my investments. Mm -hmm. And they kind of go hand in hand and it's a win-win. So more I invest, better I get at it, more leads I get through as a real estate agent and more I turn, convert them. But absolutely need to start hiring more assistants, more team members. And once I do that, I think I can really get to where I want to be, which is, you know, more. Yeah. So, so le I mean, leveraging yourself, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I think that's where you need to go. Um, your passion comes out. It's really exciting. There's a lot to learn for me. Take it away. It's amazing to hear there are still opportunities out there. You feel like nothing's saturated. Sometimes it feels like everywhere is saturated. Yeah. I'm going to go back and analyze everything yes. more because there are opportunities out there. And, and I know sometimes people chase what's hot, whatever's hot that's at the right. time. You have to be ahead of the game. You got to be ahead of the game. You got to find the opportunities, build relationships, go out, meet people, yes. and just be excellent at what you do and be passionate about what exactly. you do and stick to your niche. Exactly. I think those are the amazing the lessons I've taken today. I'm sure all our listeners will take some uh, great lessons out of it. Sahil Jaggi, thanks so much for coming thanks in. Thanks for having it was lots me. Lots of fun. Yeah, same here. And, uh, thanks for having me. Good luck for 2020. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you. Take care.